Welcome to episode three of the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast with Essentia Health. I'm your host, Lauren, and I'm excited to have pediatrician Dr. Rachel Singh in studio today to talk about a bunch of different things. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Very excited to have you. So let's get to know you first. Um, Can you kind of talk about how you got into healthcare and why you chose to be a pediatrician? Because I know doctors, they have so many options. I bet it would be overwhelming to have to pick, you know, one specialty. So how did you get into that? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dr. Rachel Singh, um, and I'm a pediatrician with Essentia Health. My family actually moved up to the Duluth area this summer. So I recently started at Essentia a couple months ago, and have um, we've loved settling in up here um, and getting to know the community. I grew up in the Twin Cities, um, and we went away for our medical training, but Minnesota always has a way of bringing you back, and we love the beauty of the North Shore and a little bit quieter pace up here. So I thought it was a great place to raise a family and uh, love the great healthcare systems up here. From from a young age, I was interested in going into a helping kind of caretaking profession. That's always been kind of my personality to be a, a caretaker. Um, in college, I explored some different healthcare careers and um, I went on a service trip down to El Salvador and was able to shadow some different physicians and dentists and pharmacists. And I just really loved the role of a physician, being able to sit and uh, listen to patients, being able to gather information and kind of piece it together and come up with a, a diagnosis and a treatment plan. kind of liked the, the puzzle of it in a way, um, but also being able to develop relationships with patients. In medical school, I, I knew I wanted to do primary care just because I love um, having that longitudinal relationship with patients and families. Um, but it really wasn't until I did my rotations in third year um, where I fell in love with pediatrics. I just love how resilient kids are, regardless of what they face. Kids are so strong and resilient and often can overcome just such big challenges. I love the preventative care aspect of pediatrics, being able to discuss preventative care with families in hopes to pick up things or kind of catch um, medical conditions before they kind of cause more problems down the line. So I really enjoy that part of pediatrics as well. And I feel like just being a pediatrician, I mean, you're surrounded by just like sweet kids all day long. You know, they, and I think it was Dr. Knight who said this, I could be wrong, but you know, they just, they see like the best in the world and that makes the job even better. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love the variety from seeing newborns to adolescents and just each developmental stage has their unique joys and challenges. So there's a ton of variety in primary care, um, pediatrics and and yeah, I love kids. They keep you smiling all day. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. So you mentioned that you moved up here with your family and you're a mom yourself. Yeah. So we uh, moved up here with my husband and we have a 15 month old son. Um, So I ended up taking about a year off actually after he was born to um, spend some time at home with him and kind of facilitate that move and transition up here, um, which was was really nice, a big blessing. I know, you know, not every family has that opportunity. Yeah, grateful that I was able to have that year with him at home. You know, going back to work as a mom is obviously a tough transition. What is it like for you to be a working mom? Yeah, so I was nervous about it um, because I had spent that year with him. And um, honestly, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to have other caregivers, um, you know, kind of interacting with our son. So I knew it would be a, a, an adjustment for both of us. But it honestly um, has been really good. I think uh, becoming a mom is such a shift. And I think for a while, I kind of almost like um, struggled with my identity again, like kind of 
who am I and how can I um, still foster my other passions and interests and balance that as a mom? And so um, I think when I was home, I, you know, my focus as it should be at that time was solely on caregiving, but, um, but I missed fostering my other passions and um, seeing patients and um, my passion for medicine. So it's been really good to kind of read discover that side of myself and and use those gifts and passions again. Was it easy to sort of get back into the swing of things or was it a little bit of an adjustment since you had that year off? Yeah, no, definitely an adjustment, just kind of a new routine for both of us. Um, My little guy has a lot of separation anxiety, so um, we've been kind of working through that, but gradually it's it's gotten easier for him. I'm really trying to compartmentalize. So when I'm at the clinic, really focusing on patients and families and what my role is there. And then switching into the mode when I'm at home, really trying to focus on uh, my family and, um, and that, which is not easy to do, but, um, but it's something that I'm kind of striving to really try to be present um, with each role. Yeah, I think we all struggle with that. Do you have like a tip that comes to mind maybe for a working mom that's going back to work that helped you out or that you wish that you knew about? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just really important to give yourself grace. Um, I think trying to tap into resources and support that you have. I don't, with us moving up here, we um, we came up here really without knowing kind of many people in the community. Um, my family's in the Twin Cities. And so um, it's still a challenge and we're kind of working to make connections with um, our neighbors and people in the community, but really trying to kind of seek out help um, and being honest with your partner or family um, about kind of what, yeah, what help you need to, yeah, to be able to manage, but also giving yourself grace. It's an adjustment. Yeah, I think giving yourself grace in any sort of of parenting situation is good because I hear this all the time from like my friends and my family that have kids. You know, you really don't know like what you're doing until you're in it. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, being a pediatrician, I I know the medical things to think about and look for in the first year of life. Um, So I kind of thought, okay, like we got this. Yeah, there's just so much more that kind of comes up on like the day to day with parenting and, um, you know, yeah, kind of making decisions that you don't really anticipate until you're kind of in that season. (laughs) Yeah. So being that you are a pediatrician and you see you know, kids from the start of their life and as they grow, what are some highs of parenting maybe that parents can expect or that you see a lot in your own role as a pediatrician? Yeah. So I think some of the biggest highs are just watching your child achieve milestones and and discover new things and yeah, kind of ways of looking at the world and interacting in the world. Like each milestone is just such a joy from that first smile um, that's intentional to rolling, you know, starting to move around and crawl. And um, and so it's so fun to kind of celebrate each milestone. Um, now that yeah, our little guy's 15 months, I feel like he's just yeah so much more aware of things and, um, and just kind of watching his little brain kind of process and figure out things is really sweet and starting to um, starting to say a few more words and kind of mimic sounds. Um, it's just yeah such a joy. So yeah, one of the highs, which I, I knew would be fun, but I think has been even more enjoyable than I expected is just watching, watching those milestones and you know, his little personality develop. Yeah, I love like with my nieces and nephews seeing their personalities. I love when they're babies and everything, but like now that they're older and they can talk and they have, you know, like these bubbly, sassy personalities. It is really fun. And I'm just the aunt. So I can only imagine how it is for um, you as a mom. So obviously with highs, though, there are also lows. What are some maybe lows of parenting that you see often in your job or maybe in your own personal life that people might not think about? I really didn't anticipate how big of a shift it would just be for me with kind of becoming a mom. You know, a a new baby is born, but also in that process, a parent is born when it's 
a you know first time child, and so I know for me, I guess I didn't necessarily expect the the roller coaster of hormones postpartum and and just yeah, kind of really like how big of an adjustment it would be, and and everybody you know kind of handles that differently, but it's okay to have you know, a wide roller coaster of emotions and very normal in the beginning um, to have kind of baby blues in the first several weeks, and postpartum depression is very common and something that um, in pediatrics we screen for and um, like to address with moms just to, to normalize it and to offer support um, because it's it's very common and um, something that I think a lot of new moms don't necessarily anticipate um, until you're in that season. That kind of goes back to the whole giving yourself grace thing as well. So if somebody might be struggling with postpartum depression, and I know that is so much more common and it's not as taboo anymore, um, what are some warning signs maybe that new moms can look for just in terms of, you know, obviously new moms aren't sleeping that much. What's like a differentiator, I guess, for when maybe they should come talk to somebody? Yeah. So I would say length of time of symptoms. So very normal in the first few weeks to have baby blues, to be um, really kind of riding that roller coaster of postpartum hormones. So having moments of being down, really tearful, easily agitated. But I think what's very normal is those fluctuate and that you'll see over the first few weeks um, kind of gradually improve. If you're finding that um, it's going on more than a few weeks or month and um, and symptoms are really getting worse to the point that they're daily kind of throughout the day and starting to really affect functioning in terms of caretaking or just anxieties to the point that it really seems debilitating, then that would be something to really bring up with pediatrics or OB-GYN and we can help facilitate resources. Yeah, I like that it's becoming a lot less taboo. You know, like I feel like 10 years ago, we never heard about it and now people are open about it, which I feel like helps as well. Yeah, definitely. So we got a question actually from a listener and I know nothing about this. I'm not a parent, but I'm interested in it because I feel like this is something every single parent in my life does differently. Sleep training. Um, let's talk about the cried out method. That's something I've always heard my parents say. Is that healthy for a child to just let them cry it out? Wonderful question. So yeah, this has been probably my biggest challenge since becoming a mom is um, navigating sleep with our little one too. So um, something that I, um, you know, as a pediatrician had learned about, but um, really didn't anticipate it would be as much of a challenge as it is. So um, I just, yeah, I want to acknowledge that it's, yes, a very normal, common challenge um, really in the first couple of years even. So sleep training um, really is a kind of a broad umbrella term that really just means um, providing some tools or a method to help um, a baby or a toddler be be able to fall asleep on their own. And there's really a variety of methods. So the classic sleep training method um, that really was promoted decades ago is the cry it out method, where a parent lays the baby in the crib and um, leaves the room and has them kind of cry it out until they fall asleep and um, kind of doesn't return until morning. I would say that method is a little bit dated. And now over the last kind of decade or so, there have been um, kind of several, I guess, newer methods that have been more studied that involve gradual check-ins, um, kind of a graduated extinction method, several other methods that I could talk about too. So the classic cry it out method is kind of what people think about with sleep training. Um, there really are no like big studies that this is going to cause long-term attachment problems for babies. So if, if that's what a, a family feels like is best and kind of easiest um, and fastest to do, that's fine from a medical standpoint. Yeah, it can be a challenging decision for parents to kind of decide if they're ready and, and how they want to do sleep training. Um, and there are kind of several several newer methods that have been studied, some too, um, that, that can be effective. Does it also kind of just depend on like the baby because every baby's so different like 
maybe one thing will work for one child, but maybe not the other. Yeah, different babies have different temperaments. Like about 40% of babies have more of a kind of a laid back temperament. I guess I, that's not the medical term, but where they're, yeah, they're just more chill <laughs> and don't need as much intervention to kind of help with falling asleep and um, don't have as many nighttime awakenings. Many babies, at least half, are, yeah, a little bit stronger personalities and um <laughs> And about 10% of babies are kind of in this like more high needs temperament where their yeah, sleep tra- training can just be really challenging and they really don't want to be put down and they have strong, strong opinions about it. Um, and I'd say my son is in that category. We've we've tried a few different things, but it's it's been a big challenge. And um, again, trying to give ourselves grace through it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when you said the 40% that everybody's listening is like, who is in that 40%? I want to talk to you. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. But because you're going through it yourself and also because you're you're a pediatrician, what are some easy tips maybe that parents can implement in their routines to maybe make it easier? Yeah, definitely. So I think um, really from the beginning, kind of start to lay some foundation for developing some sleep habits or routine. Certainly in the first couple of months, I mean, newborns need frequent cuddling and um, responsive parenting. And so, but you can still like keep practicing with having them fall asleep in their bassinet on their back and um, can kind of settle and get them mostly asleep, but but really trying to keep practicing with having them um, fall asleep on their own. Although many, many babies in those first couple months really need, kind of really need more frequent check-ins, but starting to kind of lay those foundations. Also with naps during the day, um, I think it can be really helpful in the first couple months to have babies practice having naps in kind of different places just to give parents flexibility. So I know one thing I kind of wish we would have done was practice naps kind of more in different, like within a baby carrier. Yeah, we were doing a lot of contact napping with holding our little one, which was great, but I feel like he got so used to that that it kind of became more of a challenge to get him to nap um, other places. So um, I mean, once in a while, car naps, just, you know, to give yourself a little break and go on a a drive to um, have your little one, yeah, sleep in the car or stroller. Um, I suggest generally practicing one nap a day at least in the bassinet or crib to keep helping your newborn get used to that Um, but also being flexible with naps in other places too yeah that's true because I feel like that would give the parents more flexibility as well you know you don't have to like wait till the baby's napping to get in the car and run errands and and whatnot and let's say that somebody it's like the middle of the night or something like that or maybe they don't have a pediatrician they can get to Um, what are some resources maybe for new parents that make it easy Definitely don't just like Google and freak yourself out, right? I know there's so many resources out there. One book that I found helpful um, about sleep training is called My Child Won't Sleep, A Quick Guide for the Sleep-Deprived Parent. Um, It's by a a sleep specialist um, at Duke University. And it's a a short, quick guide, um, kind of broken down by age with just some practical tips. And it outlines a different sleep training method. So it kind of helps you kind of compare and contrast what might work well for your child based on their temperament. So that was one book that I found helpful um, that's kind of a quick, easy read that kind of breaks down the different sleep training methods. So last question for you, just based on your day-to-day job as well, what's like one main tip that you would just like give parents to get through the newborn phase? I mean, I know that we talked about giving yourself grace, but what's a tip they can maybe use in like their everyday life just to get through, you know, the the first few years of a child's life? Because that can be amazing, of course, but it's also tiring and exhausting and so what's something that maybe would help? Yeah. So I think being open to kind of shift expectations, I think something that I struggled with was 
was having a set of expectations of how things would go, even expectations of like what I wanted to get done that day. Um, And really realizing like some days all you might get done, (laughs) which is still very valuable, is cuddling your baby, keeping your baby fed and um, comfortable and maybe getting in a shower that day. (laughs) And that's and that's okay. Yeah. And just being really flexible with that and kind of adjusting. Another thing I would say is just as new parents, really trusting your own intuition. Parents, you, you'll learn, you'll learn your child's temperament and their personality and what, yeah, what seems to click and work well for them and what doesn't. So um, like with sleep training, it is a really kind of complex um, topic and there's a lot of info out there really kind of across the spectrum with sleep training, but really kind of know, yeah, knowing your child's personality and temperament and kind of thinking about a method that might work work well for them. And we certainly in pediatrics can help you kind of troubleshoot and look for you know any medical conditions that may be affecting sleep too, like um, reflux, um, any breathing concerns, kind of GI upsets, things like that. So if something just seems really off to you or um, or there's a big change in how your baby's acting that was different from before, um, just trust your intuition. And if something feels off, then yeah, bring them in. We can help troubleshoot. Um, and you know, you know your child best. Yeah. And that kind of goes to that intuition thing. And worst case scenario, even like when you're an adult, I feel like if you're worried about something, at least talk to your pediatrician and it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One other kind of tip, I guess, as you're getting into toddlerhood that um, I found has been fun is just really trying to involve your baby or toddler in like what you're doing. So sometimes just having normal life, like you got to get things done at home, but talking to talking, lots of talking to your baby and toddler and narrating what you're doing. And when you can kind of start involving in little things like toddlers find it more fun to help you sometimes than like playing with their toys. So (laughs) fold clothes or sweep up something just really involving your child and what you're doing and talking and can be fun bonding too. And And they love doing those things too. I feel like they love, you know, folding clothes or they like imitating the parents or the aunts or uncles or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, that is really good advice. Is there anything else maybe that we didn't cover? I guess one other thing I try to remind myself of um, sometimes is like nights can feel long with frequent wakenings, but the days really do go by fast (laughs) and um, days can be short and um, and months are short. So I've had some lows in the last year with like a lot of exhaustion and sleep deprivation, but but the days are short. And so really trying to be present um, for those joys and the milestones and and kind of looking back like in the grand scheme of things, it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, just trying to remind yourself of that in the moment sometimes. Yeah, that's a good reminder as a parent and just in life too, you know, life is short being more present. I think that's something everybody can work on Yeah, as well. Well, I really appreciate you coming in here, being a guest on the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast. Hopefully we can get you back here soon and just thank you for being here. Yeah, it's been great to be here today.